Good morning, everybody, visitors and friends and brothers and sisters. You all are brothers and sisters. This is the first time to present a sermon, a lecture on a, pop, on a particular uh, scripture, and I pray that I give God glory in doing so and point the word of God to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of our sermons and, and purpose of worship here is to be reminded that uh, who Jesus is uh, and that God had given us his son for um, restoration of us with God for uh, eternity. So the question is to consider this morning is when facing troubles, who do you cling to? You have choices. Who do you cling to? Some months ago when I was reading through the historical books of the Old Testament, I was struck with the importance that David had done at a particular time before he became king. Particularly after reading 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. And you have that in your bulletin as well. If you look on the following page, I've included all of the scripture referenced that I'm not going to mention. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. But if you want to seek the scriptures yourself about how this fits into this particular talk, please refer to that. It's on the back side of the uh, portion that has the scripture verse, verses themselves. So let's take a look at Samuel uh, 130, verses 1 through 8, for the context, context regarding this question. Now I'd like to say, try to picture in your mind the events and the circumstances that are occurring at that time. This is a brief description for Samuel. Things are generally in a mess. Drums of war can be heard. Together there is trouble. So altogether there's trouble. So I'm going to read from the bulletin here. 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 8. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had, come, they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all, all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives, and sons, and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Nehoiim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because of all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of the Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever received a notification that is disturbing? Perhaps a letter from the Internal Revenue Service? Or a summons to appear in court as a defendant in a legal matter. 
Or have you received a letter about a past due payment for some financial account that you have? Whatever the circumstances, you find your heart beating a little faster, you're breathing a little heavier, you have a sense of anxiety, perhaps even distress. As we read, David was in a state of distress. We feel that we may become, we feel that way because we're conditioned to feel that way. We're feel to, uh, ex conditioned to expect trouble, especially when dealing with authority over us. Perhaps it's your employer, or perhaps it's the plaintiff's court, uh, our government, even God himself. A personal reflection. About 13 years ago on a Sunday evening, a knock came on the front door of our home. I opened the door. There stood a young man, common looking, and immediately he handed over to me something that turned out to be a summons to appear as a defendant in the Pima County Superior Court. Heavy breathing. The document charged me and my wife of, with racketeering, mail fraud, and promised to bring me to ruin, to bring us to ruin and defamation. I had been a director on a board of property owners association in an air park in Arizona. Now I was facing trouble and the level of distress was mounting. Trouble, it's a word that stirs up our soul. There's no pleasantness in its meaning. It robs us of peace, like a tremendous ground jostling earthquake leaves you shaken with a sense of no foundation, no firmness of foot to steady you. Trouble, scripture speaks about trouble in over 110 times in 109 verses, according to one source. Depending on what translation and what terms you use, trouble appears numerous times in the New Testament. Paul calls trouble, and I like this, a light momentary affliction, especially compared to the eternal weight of glory. John writes, in the, word, in the world you have tribulation. Our Lord tells us in Matthew 6.34 that sufficient for, its own day, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Trouble is something we should expect. Job tells us that man was made for trouble. Trouble is part of human experience with demands to be dealt with. Here's where I'm taking you this morning. What's the first thing we do in time of trouble? Everybody has problems. Everyone will have to deal with, the tr with, with trouble from time to time, but not everyone tries to solve the problems, their problems in the same way. Some will fail in their attempts, and scriptures replete with examples. Some will find success in their attempts. What is the best way to deal with trouble? What should we do when we are confronted with trouble? One person in the Bible who had more than his share of trouble is King David. You may remember in reading the scriptures, David was pursued by King Saul. He barely escaped several assassination attempts. He had to spend much time hiding in the wilderness. His entire family was kidnapped on one occasion. 
His friends turned against him and were ready to kill him. He suffered the shame of having committed adultery and murder. His son Amnon raped his daughter Tamar. His other son Absalom killed Amnon. Absalom led a revolt against his father. Absalom was killed, much to David's grief. David was certainly a man who faced much trouble. How does your list of troubles compare? Yet somehow he survived them all and has come to be remembered as a man after God's own heart. So I thought and asked, how is he able to do this? What did David do in times of trouble? I think there's something I can learn here. Let's consider the text of 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to take the, the first six verses. So at this time in his life, he was living in Ziklag. Ziklag? How did he come to get there? Where is Ziklag? In order to escape Saul's pursuits to kill David, he took his men to Gath, to the Philistines. The Philistine king of Gath, on David's plea, gave him the town of Ziklag as a place for David and his followers to live of a place of their own. Having fled from King Saul's assaults, he was now aligned with the Philistines for the purpose of escaping King Saul's attempts to kill him. Saul did not pursue him. At the same time, the Philistines were preparing to battle King Saul. David and his men had come to join with them. But the Philistines had not fully trusted David. And we'll see why. After all, David had slain one of their, one of their hero warriors, Goliath. So they sent him and his men back to Ziklag. They would not allow David and his men to come along with them. With Ziklag as his base, he raided the, Gersh the Gershites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites who inhabited the region of Olam and the Negev. This he did to gain favor and trust with the Philistines. But they had none of that. In reading 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 6, we find... While David and his men were away from Gath, from, yeah, away to Gath, the town of Ziklag had been attacked and burned by the Amalekites. We read that in verse 1. That was bad for David and his men. I would say that was troubling, to say the least. The women and men had been kidnapped, even those of his own family, as I mentioned his wives. Naturally, David is distressed. But on top of this, the people are ready to kill him for not having been there when they, he was needed to protect them. He did not secure the city before they left. That is a lot of trouble. The trouble for David mounts. But I'd like to have you notice carefully the last part of verse 6. What does David do when he has lost his family and his own life is threatened? Did he pick up his sword and chase after the Amalekites? Josiah did, back when the Egyptians were going to align with Assyria. Did he pick up his sword and defend himself from his own people who were ready to stone him? Did he react to the circumstances of trouble? The scripture says in verse 6, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. With the strength he received, he was able to deal with the, whatever the problem was before him. You may remember the lyrics of the song, It Is Well With My Soul by Horatio Spafford. I'd like to sing it, but I'm afraid I might crack my voice. When peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast, hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How could it be well with Horatio Spafford's soul, the, so, the writer of the song, when life overwhelmed him? Can it be well with your soul when you lose your loved ones and your friends turn against you? Is it well with your soul? Also note that David did not wait for the Lord to seek him, but he called upon the Lord. He wanted to confirm whether God was with him or not in going after the Amalekites. Was David putting himself in submission to God or to himself? It is clear that he's submitting to God. How did David strengthen himself in the Lord his God? In times of trouble, David often composed psalms. I'm going to reveal a few of them to you, and they're in the notes on the second page. In times of trouble, as I mentioned, David composed psalms. When pursued by Saul, he composed Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. And when imprisoned in Gath by the Philistines, he wrote Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. And when fleeing from Absalom, who is uh, re uh, revolting against his father, O Lord, he wrote Psalm 3, O Lord, how may many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him from God. And when hiding in the wilderness in Judah, he wrote Psalm 63, most of which I'm going to be referring to. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And as in, a, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. From these psalms, we can see how David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. Three things we should learn from David's psalms that I've just read. Again, from Psalm 56, we learned that David would place his trust in God to help him. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. 
I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 59. In Psalm 59 we learn that David was determined to continue praising God uh, for his help. But I, Psalm 59, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress, a refuge in the time of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Again, from Psalm 63, which I read a little earlier, David overcame his problem of loneliness by seeking the Lord. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and, dr and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Overcame his problem of loneliness by praising and praying. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And again, by meditating upon the Lord, we see in Psalm 63, when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of the wings, I will sing for joy. In each of these psalms, David is basically saying the same thing. In time of trouble, put your trust in the Lord. Stay close to him through praising him and praying to him. Do this, and you'll be made strong as the Lord supports you. Psalm 63, verse 8, answers our initial question, who do you cling to? David writes, my soul clings to you, Jesus, my insertion. Your right hand holds me up. It upholds me. David clings to God. And then he acted. He pursued and defeated the Amalekites in the power of God's hand. All who were taken by the Amalekites were returned safely. Not a soul was lost. This was how David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God, and was able to face and overcome his troubles with the help of the Lord gave him. How about us today? In times of trouble, to whom do we cling? Do we cling to our Mac, to our iPhone? Do we cling to our political party, to popular people that write books and make speeches? How do we deal with our troubles today? Even as Christians, we face many troubles. Some are related to family, other matters of personal concern. 
Some are related to health conditions. Some are related to jobs. An issue of, and an issue of financial security. We all want to have some money in the bank as we age. In many cases, we try to deal with our own troubles alone. Now, there's no prohibition, and Chuck has spoken to this before, in engaging in problems alone. You have regularly seeking, if you are regularly seeking God and dwelling in his word and on your knees before him, in many cases, you would know what to do. However, quite often, we leave God completely out of the picture, not following the steps and the paths that he has shown us in the study of his word, his scriptures. Or using reason and wisdom that he has shown us through our walk with him. We do not seek the wisdom of the all-wise sovereign God. We conjure up our own plan to resolve the problem, to get out of trouble. We go on a fool's errand. An effort that is likely unsuccessful. Sometimes we even forsake God entirely by no longer praising him, no longer praying daily. We think and live in our own kingdom. We are the king or queen in our own throne room. We forsake him by neglecting the assembly in which we gather to encourage one another, to be encouraged by brothers and sisters, and to worship God, to seek counsel and intercessory prayer by others. The reason is often expressed this way. Let me get my life straight, then I'll be able to serve God and live for Him. This is a faulty reasoning. This is quite egocentric. It is self-exalting and foolish. God wants us to put trust in Him just as David had. Let's look at the counsel of James 4.8, and we'll also look at Peter's counsel in 1 Peter 5, verses 6-7. through 7. James calls us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to him. Peter, in similar fashion, calls on us to humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he will exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. David drew near to God and God exalted him through the defeat of the Amalekites and the safe return of the captives. The truth of the matter is this. It is not God helps those who help themselves, but rather, according to the wisdom written in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, God helps those who trust in the Lord with all their heart and do not lean on their own understanding. What happens when we leave God out of the picture and attempt to work out our troubles? One thing is certain. God leaves us to deal with the problems on our own and without his help. We get off the tracks, as Chuck has often referenced with his children. I like that. We get off the tracks. King Saul is an example of leaving God out of this picture, and God departed from him. Saul's troubles ended badly. He was killed by one of his own men in a losing battle with the Philistines. Another thing is possible. In an act of loving discipline, God might frustrate our efforts to solve our problems independent 
of his help. He certainly disciplined Israel that way. He allowed them to continue their whoring with gods and idols. Dispersion and exile followed or resulted. So let us learn one, exper one experience in dealing with trouble, namely David. In times of trouble, look to the Lord for your strength. Trust in the Lord and, in steadfast, and be steadfast in praising him and praying to him. Don't forsake him, nor forsake the assembly of the saints in which we draw near to him. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. You may remember the story, personal story I just started with, being accused of racketeering and mail fraud. I was filled with fear and anxiety. I didn't sleep very well. I had, didn't have very good dreams. The reputation, the, the risk of losing money, those are the things I put my faith in. Even though I was a believer, I clung to my possessions and my reputation. Nothing brought me peace. I was in trouble. I turned to the Lord for my strength. I trusted in him and told him, and I knew that all that I had was his. I had to admit that. I had to confess that. I could not embrace my reputation or whatever I possessed. I began to regularly praise him and pray to him. I knew that my possession, my reputation, belonged to him. I sought him and asked for encouragement and for strength to weather the, out the legal matter. God allowed me to prevail and to be free from liability. Nothing was lost, but praise God, my gain was access to God day after day after that. Our ultimate example is to look at our Lord and what he did in time of trouble. As Isaiah wrote, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. What did our Lord do in times of trouble? Let's take a look in the context of Matthew 26. In context of this text, as you may recall, Jesus spent the Passover with the disciples. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He foretells of Peter's denial. He will be betrayed in the garden and arrested. Thus, in reading Matthew 26, particularly verses 36 through 39, we find Jesus went to Gethsemane with his disciples. He tells them he's going to a place to pray. He takes Peter and, two son, and two, the two sons of Zebedee with him and begins to be sorrowful and troubled. He tells his disciple that his soul is very sorrowful, even to death, and asks him to wait and to watch with him. And Jesus falls on his face on the ground and prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In times of trouble, Jesus sought God and prayed. As Jesus awaited his impending suffering and death, he stepped aside into isolation to pray. We have a lesson there about how to pray. Get alone with the Father and tell him your troubles and you, that you trust in him. Opposition caused Jesus to feel sorrowful and troubled, overwhelming his soul to the point of death. 
Jesus, fully God and fully man, still needed his Father. Three times in Gethsemane, Matthew said, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He sought his Father. He came to the Lord his God for strength. How did our Lord strengthen himself, the Lord his God, in time of trouble? He prayed. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, 17, John prays to his Father for himself, for his disciple, and for all believers. He prayed for salvation, for the Father's glory as he waited his fulfillment. He lifted up his disciples in prayer for physical and spiritual protection, unity, the full measure of joy, Obedience and sanctification. He prayed for us that we may hear the mess, his message, believe, unite, evangelize, and be saved. Returning to 1 Samuel 30, we learn that David sought the Lord and was given access to God. David was given victory over the Malachites and redeemed his family from their captivity. As great as it was, however, David's victory is subsumed to Jesus' victory on the cross. Christ's victory was larger and more comprehensive, overshadowing David's personal victory. In Matthew 27, 46, we read, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sebachthani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus sought the Father his God and was denied access to God at the cross so that we would have access to God the Father. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.18, For through him, Jesus, we have access in spirit to the Father. But thank God, Christ received victory over sin and death and redeemed us from death, eternal death. The way forward in times of trouble is going to Christ. The victor, the redeemer, we win just as David won because Jesus lost. Do we trust in the Son of God? Do we come to Him in time of trouble and pray? Or do you proceed in your own strength? My appeal to you that you will trust in Him and lean on the strength of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus. The one who died for us all in a brutal way. And he was lifted to heaven, lifted up to heaven, interceding with the Father for us, preparing a place for us. I'm concluding, let what David said to himself be true to us all. Again, back in Psalm 63, verse 8. My soul clings to you, Jesus. Your right hand upholds me. Cling to Jesus. Those who trust in God will find strength, deliverance, true victory. This is truth. So be it. Let me close in prayer. Let us give thanks to God for revealing his truth in this word. In times of trouble, Jesus prayed to his Father. He trusted in his Father. He obeyed his Father. Jesus calls us to trust in him 
as he intercedes for us in times of our troubles. Praise God for his perfect love, his amazing grace, and for his wonderful mercy. We worship you, Father, and give you praise. We run to Jesus when we are troubled, and you grab us in your arms and hold us, love us. Praise, glory, and honor be yours. We ask in your glorious Son's name, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.